0: Hello and welcome to Keanu Club, like a cool breeze over the mountains. This is episode 37, Feeling Minnesota from 1996. I'm Joey Lewandowski, and I'm Mike Manzi, and with us today, very special guest, Cage Club Podcast Network artist Melissa Lima. Hello, Melissa.
1: Hello. How are you guys?
0: Good. How are you?
1: Super duper.
0: So now you picked this movie because you wanted a chick flick, right? <laughs> yeah. And this was totally a chick flick, right?
1: It was totally. The The poster did not lead me wrong. It was so romantic and sweet. Just kidding. The... It was the worst movie. Probably the worst and farthest away from that I could have gotten from what I thought I was getting into. This is
0: one of the first movies that after the movie was over, I sort of explored the DVD a little bit. And the special features are... Something like, I don't know, closed captioning, and then there's a trailer. And so I watched the trailer, and the trailer makes it look like a wacky rom-com. Because even the tagline for the movie, I think, is like, she met the man of her dreams, and then her husband showed up. That does not explain that she gets married to an abusive man like, forced into it by the mob ten Mm -hmm. minutes into this movie, and then has Miss McGill's tea with her husband's brother at the wedding. Like, the tagline does not fit the movie. The trailer does not fit the movie. It is, uh, this is an interesting mess, isn't
2: it, Mike? Without a doubt. I feel like this is kind of indicative of the 90s, though, where it was just these wacky Tarantino-esque wannabe 90s crime Comedies that just never quite found their footing. There's a lot going on here that's done a lot better in a lot of other movies. And my main concern out of the gate is they're in Minnesota and no one even yep. sounds like they're in Minnesota. I mean, one time Dan Ackroyd says sorry, one time. One time, Ugh. oh, he is a problem in this movie by far, by all means. Even though he's probably the closest to what everyone should be doing, yeah. no one else is doing that, and so he sticks out like a sore thumb. By... A sore thumb? Sore? A sore? A sore? Sore, sore thumb? thumb? Uh, I saw this back in like ninety seven or ninety eight on HBO, and I, as soon as I popped this in, it all came back to me. Unfortunately, none of this was a surprise the second time around.
0: I can't believe that honestly, because like this movie is so forgettable. It's Bad, but it's not bad like Monkey Business is bad, which if you're not listening to all his movies, the Shia LaBeouf podcast, you should be. But it's bad in a way that it reminds me of a lot of other movies that I'd rather be watching which I feel like we say a lot on this podcast and on other podcasts we do about why movies that we're watching aren't necessarily great. This came out, I think, the same year as Fargo. Why would you not watch Fargo instead of this? Or why would you not watch... I want to get into a little bit later. I don't want to get here yet, but like, it reminds me of a lot of Cage movies. Like, Why would you not watch one of those instead? Like, Why would you not watch a Tarantino movie instead? Why would you watch this?
1: it's so boring too I mean it's bad because it's not bad like oh but it's entertaining pretty much every Cage movie was hey hey hey, hey 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 oh sorry but it's boring I was like every minute that this movie was on I was like looking away and doing other things trying to pay attention but pretty much failing
2: maybe that's why I remembered it so well is because such little happens in this movie right like it's kind of barely anything to begin with and then gives up like towards the end I feel like it's really yeah. got it's very little going on here I mean ultimately my favorite thing about this is that Keanu and Vincent D'Onofrio are brothers and I really feel like they have a good dynamic and all their stuff is good but they need to be in a different movie together this is just a waste for them Oof, it's it like doesn't start very well and then it just gets worse
0: yeah, this is a, a very slim and trim Wilson Fisk from Daredevil, not resembling the mean big bad guy of that movie, but instead here, kind of, and I, I don't know if it's just because there was illicit sex in the house at a wedding, but it reminded me a little bit of the, I mean, this is, I, I am going to apologize in advance for the comparison I'm about to make, but it reminded me a little bit of The Godfather. Sonny's having sex with the bridesmaid in the house, and I think that's just because Vincent D'Onofrio's suit looks like it's straight out of the 70s, like his blue frilly... <laughs> terrible suit. That wedding reminded me of The Godfather, but like, oh God, like I feel so bad. I feel so dirty comparing this to that, but you know, it is what it is.
1: Ooh, I've never seen The Godfather. I can't comment on that comparison. I assume it's better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I trust you.
2: And Joy, you mentioned to me last night that this reminded you of another movie and I also see the parallels there that it shamelessly wants to be true romance at parts so bad that it just... It can't. I mean, uh, this whole movie kind of has that vibe where it's forcing, again, it's like forcing itself to be something it's not. And it's not very much to begin with. But like, I just don't feel like this story should have unfolded with this crime tone going on with it. I think it would have been better off if it was taken more as like a straight comedy and they didn't try and go dark with it at all. It feels like it wants to be like a black comedy really bad, but it's not
0: structured in that way. And I feel like for a black comedy to really work, it kind of, or I mean, just for a movie to work in general, you have to care about the characters. And I just don't. None of these characters mean anything to me. And I want to apologize to the universe again for the second time in like two minutes. That when I started watching this movie, I messaged you and I said, the Cameron Diaz character in this movie is reminding me of Alabama Worley from True Romance. And she is still, to this day, the pinnacle of the ultimate movie fantasy. Like, the perfect girl for, like, a guy who likes a movie like True Romance. You know, she'll go see three kung fu movies with you in a row. You know, she'll marry you that night. Like, it's just, it's all that like, the crazy, like, Alabama Worley is perfect. And Cameron Diaz, like, it, it feels like they want Freddie to be like her really really bad except then 40 minutes in after she's already started to kind of become a little annoying and not annoying in like fun ways i don't know how to say that but like just like a terribly written character then she's you know supposedly killed 40 minutes in it's like oh the only character i kind of cared about is just gone now and now we have keanu and vincent d'onofrio sort of playing a little bit of cat and mouse kind of but not really like it's it's just bad
1: yeah not not one single character is likable at least for me probably for everybody but they're all so terrible the mom i sort of enjoyed for like a second because she was so weird did you did you have a i watched it online did you have like a really weird opening when they when he was a kid with her oh yeah okay Mm -hmm. i didn't know if that was some weird thing that was on online that was really weird yeah we get young keanu
2: (laughs) sort of spinning in circles until he's dizzy. I don't know if that's supposed to foreshadow anything. Uh, It doesn't, but one thing that they introduced, (laughs) they introduced the rock, paper, scissor thing, which comes back later, but not nearly enough. It just comes back the one time at the wedding, right? Never again? Yeah. uh, Yeah. yeah.
1: I forgot about that. But when they did it at the wedding, that made no sense to me. I totally forgot.
2: Yeah, this, this definitely needed another two or three rewrites to it, because I feel like the first act isn't it's not great but there's something there there's enough there to launch this movie into something good and they just can't they just have no idea how to do it you know as soon as Keanu and Cameron Diaz have sex with each other it's all about the two of them getting over on on D'Onofrio and that lasts for like 15 minutes and then she gets shot and then it becomes hide the body and oh it's just really takes these zigs and zags that don't seem appropriate you know in the course of the story like they just don't feel like natural twists and turns
0: no nothing feels natural and i agree that the beginning is the best part maybe because there's the visual of a bride in her wedding dress running down train tracks being chased by like a car full of guys like, there's something even if the story is whatever like that's a cool image and then like those guys led by delroy lindo another cage action they're kind of colorful but not interesting really but there's more life to them than there are to other characters but like really early on like from the beginning from these opening scenes just the way that people are interacting with each other it's all like fucking this and fucking that and like look how cool we all are and like (laughs) i'm really bad and i'm just like and none of us like each other and it's a world where everybody hates each other and i think that's why we're supposed to care that keanu and cameron diaz don't hate each other but then, that makes the twist of like how she's kind of just setting him up to be double-crossed, but ultimately end maybe not be double-crossed? I don't know how many times she screws over people. I guess we'll get into that maybe. I don't really care, honestly, if we get into that or not. Like, we're supposed to care about them because in this world where nobody likes each other, they kind of do? Like, that's the point,
2: Right
1: makes sense but I still don't care about anybody
2: (laughs) I think it's just Cameron Diaz is just more attracted to Keanu than Vincent D'Onofrio and so if he sticks around they could be fuck buddies and life won't suck so much and Keanu I didn't you know Keanu's playing criminal Keanu here we're told that he's been in and out of jail we're gonna see him hold up a gas station we haven't really seen criminal Keanu in a while, but I did not get that vibe off of his character at all. And that's the thing about most of the characters here. I think D'Onofrio is maybe the most consistent. I like actually a lot of what he's doing. Maybe it's just because he's a really good actor trying to make it through this movie. But I feel like <laughs> with like Cameron Diaz, you know, you're know, you saying like I can't tell if... If she's really in love with Keanu because she says it or if she's just constantly trying to double cross him and get some money and if she's just using him like it really only feels like it depends on what the scene wants it wants her to feel like you know one minute she likes him one minute she's double crossing him the next minute she likes him again the next minute she's like willing to call Dan Aykroyd for help it's like Jesus never was that ever clear that they even have a rapport (laughs) it was just so bizarre. Okay, can we try to figure out what her plan is? <laughs> Do we want to try? I have a... I think I have a question before that question. Okay. So, like, is she a prostitute? <laughs> she's
1: I a stripper.
2: Know. She's just a stripper because apparently she stole money that she didn't really steal, right? Uh, and that's why she has to marry Vincent D'Onofrio. She... I'm not even... I that's why know. I need to I get thought... this on the table. Okay, so the way that I saw
0: it, and this doesn't necessarily make sense, is that... Somebody stole ten thousand dollars, but then D'Onofrio found it. Like it wasn't actually stolen. Okay, I, I was thought just, he like, found wow. out
2: that money was stolen.
0: I think that they thought it was stolen, and then he like went over there. Okay, this doesn't mean this maybe this maybe isn't right, and this maybe not, doesn't make sense. The way that I saw it was, and I also don't know how Cameron Diaz fits into this, but they thought that they had lost ten thousand dollars. Like they're this like crime syndicate that he runs an arcade slash
2: strip joint. I guess. What was that? Pinball in the front and then lap dance in the back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I have. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Why not? (laughs) And the way that I saw is that they thought ten thousand dollars was missing, and then they found out that it wasn't. That D'Onofrio had like gone through their books or figured out that like, oh no, like all the money's here. We just didn't know. Whatever. Whatever. And so his reward for that was Cameron Diaz. Like I don't think. Oh. But, okay. may, but, that, but that doesn't make sense, like, why would it be a punishment for her?
2: Yeah, if she never stolen in the first place.
0: But like, I feel like if you stole $10,000 from people like this, they wouldn't punish you by marrying a guy. and no. did she? And then, no like... way. <laughs> Yeah, they would kill her. Because if she'd never met Keanu, or like, you know, if she just sort of got married and like, they had their life and there was no movie here, you know, she wouldn't be happy, but she would have a nice house, she would have a family, you know, like, it's not like a Like, it's not the guy that she wants to be with, and I'm not saying this is a good thing, but it isn't really truly a full punishment. I don't know where she falls into this, but I feel like he definitely got rewarded in marrying her, although I don't know how it's a reward considering she's not going to want to be married. Like, nothing about that makes sense.
1: No, it doesn't make any sense. Marriage as a punishment doesn't make sense (laughs) at all. Not even for $10,000. I feel like that's nothing compared to what happens at the end when he steals however much he stole uh whatever yeah
2: almost like a hundred yeah
1: and he gets beat with like a bat and i feel like that's an appropriate punishment for someone who stole ten thousand dollars and if you stole however much he stole maybe like shoot him he
0: stole enough to buy half a house right
2: well that's the other thing there really was money missing that vincent d'onofrio ended up stealing and that plot point just seems like let's just throw that in there (laughs) <laughs> like we're talking about money and missing money like let's just have it be him who took the money all of a sudden
1: yeah then like did he take the money I think I thought that the ten thousand dollars when later in the movie they revealed that he stole more money I thought maybe he initially stole the ten thousand and then blamed it on her and then somehow figured they would get married that <laughs> doesn't make like, sense either like
2: there's such a there's like really cleaner ways to have Cameron Diaz marrying Vincent D'Onofrio. Like, I don't, like, why did they even have to, I mean, I feel like it could have been a consensual thing, right, where they're just poor criminals living in this shitty city, and then Keanu comes up to the wedding, and, he, and she's still more attracted to him and still wants to leave him for the same reasons, you know, kind, basically to like trade up kind of situation. I don't feel like we needed this whole complex stolen money punishment no. as a wedding crime gift thing no we
1: didn't yeah that would have solved a lot of problems right off the bat if it was just like you said so many things would be better
2: i mean there no offense to people who live out in minnesota but like god like i can understand why keanu left you know (laughs) like it's constantly trying to leave there the whole movie it just looks like the middle of nowhere like the town that time kind of forgot in a way and so yeah it would not be out of the realm of believability that a girl like Cameron Diaz would get with a guy that looks like D'Onofrio in this
0: and that whole what you just said about him not being able to leave like he wants to leave like it reminded me of Red Rock West because there's even the point where she's just like hey, like, go, go back and get the money. Like, we don't have money. Like, go back and get the money. It's like, no, don't go back. Like, if you've ever seen any movie, don't go back figure things out. He's even like, no, let's not do it. Like, I have enough money. And she's like, what? For like this kind of like dumpy motel? She needs the money. She, I mean, she's money driven the entire movie and we'll get into trying to figure out what's happening. But that reminded me of the town or the family or the situation or whatever, that no matter what you do, you can't escape and you're always gonna go back and just trouble's gonna find you and it feels like Keanu's kind of this doomed soul in this movie where he's a former criminal gets out of prison and is so dumb or bad at being a criminal that he's gonna rob places get recognized and still go through
2: with it empty the cash come on come on move it move it move it Jax? Jax, is that you damn it just give me the money You wouldn't shoot me, would you? No, Bob, I'm not going to shoot you. It's just dumb. It's... uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it feels too free of consequence. You know, I understand they want it to be funny, but they also want it to be cool and crimey and dark because it's the 90s and they're indie filmmakers and like I'm just getting such that type of vibe where it's just like ah, you know, like as long as it's got style and some cool lines and, you know, brothers pulling guns on each other, like we'll be fine, we'll get through, we'll get through it. It's only 90 minutes, but what pisses me off is like there's pieces of things here that can be salvaged and they're just thrown away that's what bothers me the most, is how many gears it shifts needlessly. Like, it just is like, now I want to be a movie about this and now I want to be a movie about like a missing girl and now I want to be a movie about missing money and it's I wish it would have just settled on one thing and just been Keanu and Cameron sneaking around behind Vincent D'Onofrio's back for an hour or something and then just like a big face-off I mean it sounds kind of boring but I'd rather have just seen something a lot more simplistic
1: yes it should have been the chick flick that I wanted (laughs) I think we all would be happier with that
2: Yeah, like, they all have have... to live under the same roof, you know? Keanu's in town for the wedding, and the mom dies, and then he's sticking around, and then he starts, you know, he turns his own brother into a cuckold or something. I don't know, but, like, yeah, just keep it in in the house and drop all this crime stuff. So what is the actual plan? Because I agree with you that your movie
0: or what like even like this movie that we've probably seen a bunch of times or that's been made a bunch of times would be better and like you have leads that are likable in Keanu and Cameron Diaz use their chemistry and they do have chemistry at least in some scenes not in all scenes but like in some scenes they have chemistry <laughs> when
2: yeah when they're sipping tea there's chemistry but
0: <laughs> <laughs> also a side note before we get into the actual plot when they're at that dumpy motel and she convinces him to go back for the money I thought that was just like a low rent knockoff of leaving Las Vegas Because they're by the pool in that movie and they're having like an emotional and like she tries to, I think that's when, oh, that's, she gets, I don't remember, something happens. Like she's either really drunk and there's like a broken glass or he gets really drunk. He gets really drunk, obviously, because he's drinking the whole movie and there's a broken bottle and they get chased out of there. Here they're at like a motel, like next to a pool, there's no water
2: in it. And like everything just seems like low rent version of movies that you've seen already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I went right back to True Romance again when, you know, Clarence and Alabama are hiding out at the motel with the coke or whatever, like they're going to go to a motel and hide out with his cool looking car that, you know, is from the 60s and stuff. And his characters know Clarence by any means whatsoever, no. but they're just trying to infuse it with all of those. I mean, that movie was out by now and successful, yep. you know, being imitated. And so I just really started to those things started to sink in, like, deeper and deeper. Even the character Red by Delroy Lindo is, like, a very low-rent Drexel, you know? Like, it's probably, like, let's. they had this character Red, and then they're like, how can we make him close to Drexel at all? Like, is there anything we could do? <laughs> okay, so let's try to figure out this plot, because I don't know what it is.
0: Character by character, I guess we can go. Like, Keanu is just a guy who gets out of jail, not sure if he's going to show up to this wedding, his brother's wedding. His mom invites him. He shows up, has tea with Miss McGill, with Cameron Diaz in the bathroom, and then essentially escapes, right? And then he's he's done with it until he comes
2: back. Well, he comes back. He goes and he gets a gift. He comes back. Yes. And his mom drops dead. So he, he right. has to stick around for the funeral. Oh, right, right, right. And that's why he's in the house. And then
0: they have Miss McGill's tea again. And then they take off together in the morning. Cameron Diaz is a stripper, right, who is working at this arcade slash strip club, and she gets forced into marrying D'Onofrio, and I don't know if she actually has an attraction to Keanu, or he's just a better option than D'Onofrio, or whatever, but she gets married, and then quickly changes sides, and then ostensibly gets killed 40 minutes in the movie, we'll get to that in a little bit. And then D'Onofrio is just, I guess, a bookkeeper, or somebody involved with the mob, finds the $10,000, gets rewarded by getting to marry Cameron Diaz, and then nothing good happens to him for the rest of the movie. That's all sort of in the Speedo, right? That's all kind of facts-ish, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So far, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. So there's the $10,000 that somebody stole, and we find out later that D'Onofrio had been stealing money all along because he wanted to buy
2: a house, right? Yes. Yeah, but okay, let me just stop you real quick. Okay. No, I, I encourage you to stop. stops. I want to okay. figure this out. Okay, so why would he have been siphoning off money to buy this house if he didn't know he was going to get to marry Cameron Diaz as a gift
0: I feel like he was probably in love with her and that's why it was a reward for him I can see him but we don't we don't see that we don't see that he's like pining after this stripper but I can see that if you're working for this you know connected guy and he owns a strip club and you can fall in love with like an adorable girl like Cameron Diaz and want to marry her and so maybe he's dreaming of
2: this future whether it's going to be with her or someone else that I don't know that's an incredible long shot, I feel, for him, like, because it, it, it feels like he bought the house after he knew they were going to get married, but it also feels like he set her up that she would have to marry him, and so, like, he stole this money to frame her, but none of it is proven or conclusive in any way. I'm still in the dark as much.
1: Yeah, because I don't know how long before they got married that they knew it was happening, because I don't think they would give her much notice because they might be worried she would run yeah it
0: feels like that she does yeah.
1: yeah although
0: she does have a wedding dress so like I mean that, that fit her you know what I mean yeah. so like there's probably the problem is that this movie okay here's another problem with this movie it's that it's another movie that wants to drop you in a world where things already exist and things are in motion but it drops us in too late and that's fine if it drops us in late if it does a good job of setting up and like letting us know how we got there but it doesn't it's just like all right here we are and like you're caught up right and it's like well no the movie just started i don't know who any of these people are i don't know why any of these things are happening if we even had over like opening credits if you had like a five minute montage of characters we don't know yet but showing what happened that's all you need but here we just have like this striking image of a girl running away from a car and we're into the movie Instead of having the scene with Keanu as a little kid, set up the movie that we're actually going to pay attention to.
1: Yeah, because none of that stuff in the beginning, except for the Rocks, Paper, Scissors, which I forgot about, even comes back. We learn that he's going to live with his dad. That dad doesn't come back. It doesn't matter. None of that matters.
2: I absolutely agree. Like That stuff in the opening credits seems like some kind of Thing you should be like after the movie you go back and watch the opening credits and you can decode it and be like oh okay like I see why he put this in here but no it's just like a music video for Ring of Fire <laughs> basically oh, is God. what it is and it's like oh man be more economic as a filmmaker just know what story you're trying to tell because those don't create character traits that come into play later on okay like it would have been interesting if Keanu is prone to getting dizzy spells and falling over or something and then later on he gets one and isn't sure if he killed Cameron Diaz or not but instead it's just like he gets drunk and passes out and wakes up and doesn't know what's happening and it's like well that's totally out of character that he's running around like asking people what did I do last night that's that's completely out of nowhere but something like i was thinking of my own private idaho where you have like the narcoleptic character and how well that is used and set up like immediately you know and and it's like you could have you could have done something really interesting here with the keanu character and be like oh he's a criminal with a disability like okay that's kind of fun and let's see where that takes us but no but no he's just he's just a common crook
0: what i like about him is that his intentions are the most pure throughout the entire movie he's just kind of like his whole through line is that he's confused and just trying to not go back to jail basically right yeah finds a girl that he has a crush on sees a future with her and then after she is quote-unquote killed because by the end of the movie, she's not back. I don't think we've said that. Like, she's not dead. Like, we keep saying that she gets killed, but she's not dead. But, you know, he, he's just trying to not get caught for murdering her because the, he doesn't know what he did, but he doesn't think that he would do that. But I like that he is, I mean, as the central character, I guess it makes sense that he has the most straightforward through line, but still, maybe just straightforward compared to the other characters who we just can't understand.
2: Yeah, I mean, he is kind of like a dog in that way, right? Like, that's what I kept thinking somewhere. He has he breaks the dog out of the pound, and I'm like, oh, that's like a kindred spirit for him, because, like you said, he's mostly confused. He's just wandering around town. He goes from here to there. I don't know. I, I saw kind of like a Keanu dog parallel throughout this movie a little <laughs> and bit. I mean, Keanu dog parallels are going to come back for John Wick in 20 years from now,
0: so, you know, dogs and Keanu. Um. Okay, so Cameron Diaz's plan is... She runs away with Keanu, and she wants to live in Las Vegas and be a showgirl. And, like, it's sort of a simple life, but that's what she wants to do. And so to fund that dream, she wants Keanu to go back and, I guess, get this $10,000 that was found. And maybe my idea of, like, a bookkeeper finding money, whatever, isn't true, because it seems like there's actually physically $10,000 somewhere. Or maybe she's just saying, like, go back and just take whatever money's in the safe,
1: I think she knew that he had that money that he was using for the house because she was saying how he was always talking about how he had all this money. So I think she knew, I don't know if maybe he was talking about her, she's sneaky and found out, probably not. She knew about that money, I think. That's what she wanted.
2: Yeah, she says to Keanu, like, your brother's definitely got a stash somewhere, go rob him and let's get out of here and get out of town. And it turns out he did have a stash of money but he spent it on this dream house (laughs) and and like that that's then so much for that like that almost feels like something that should be revealed in the third act but we're getting it here like in the second act very early yeah her plan is let's rob your brother and and get out of town but that doesn't work uh she confronts Mm -hmm. D'Onofrio in the car and he's like oh I bought the dream house and then he shoots her in the stomach well no before that he, doesn't
0: Donofrio catch Keanu in the act of trying to steal and they have that fight where he bites off Ugh. Keanu's ear?
1: Yes, disgusting.
0: And then there's one cool thing which I don't, I feel like I haven't seen in a lot of movies or any movies maybe, is that Donofrio comes out of a house just carrying two guns, like just a pistol in each hand. They're not matching pistols, they're just like two random guns, which I just thought was kind of cool. It's just like, you know, one's not enough. Like, I got some killing to do. Even though it's just, I guess, maybe two people? But then the cop shows up. Like Everything is weird. Like This is where the movie really falls off the rails. Because then a cop shows up. Dan Aykroyd,
2: the cop, right?
0: Yeah, Dan, no, yeah. it's not Dan Aykroyd, because this is a cop that no, gets killed. No, is, isn't it? No, because the cop gets killed here.
2: Yeah, he does, or doesn't he just get his head rammed into the, the headlight?
1: Yeah, I don't think he dies. Well, no, no, no I thought well, it was Dan oh, okay, Aykroyd. Oh, maybe,
2: because Keanu bashes the cop's head
0: into his headlight, and then Odofrio kicks the cop either in the stomach or the head, and then
2: calls the cops on Jax, on Keanu. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I'm pretty sure they're doing that to Ackroyd. Like they're setting him up also as a crooked cop, maybe. But at the end, it turns out no, he was doing. He was like either undercover or doing it, doing the right thing the whole time. I was so shady on that guy's character. But I'm pretty sure they kicked the shit out of him in that scene, and there's like no repercussions for it whatsoever. And
0: then this is when she confronts him in the car about the plan, and then he shoots her, and supposedly. Kills her, even though we find out later that he's a lousy shot.
2: Even at point blank, he can't kill somebody by just like putting the gun right to her belly and pulling the trigger, <laughs> and he still fucks it up somehow. Like shoot her twice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, shoot her in the head. She's right next to you. He just or the shoots her like, on the
2: side. Yeah, it's ooh. Um. It's
1: a weird choice.
2: Yeah, and then this is very strange too that he would decide to try and frame his brother for the murder. I mean, I guess in a movie that's been funnier to this point already, I guess that this would be a a funny turn of events. But since it's just been so flat this whole time, it's just weird that he's tiptoeing into the room, you know, Tom and Jerry style, trying to like stash a body in the bathtub while Keanu's passed out. And he's out... Cold. I guess it's supposed to be like, look how funny this movie is. But like, Keanu
0: wakes up the next morning and washes his face and wakes himself up, and then only then after twenty five seconds does he see Cameron Diaz's body in the mirror. So she got shot in
2: the side,
1: mm-hmm.
2: near the liver, right? Isn't that what they said? She, they, he almost like he just missed her liver or something. I don't remember. Because it's just like an exit wound.
0: Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't hit anything. Like she shows like the inside and the exit wound or the entry and the exit wound. But, like, so she's in the bathtub overnight, does not move. I mean, she's bleeding, but she's
2: not... She's not dead. bleeding out, though, either.
1: Yeah. She would have woken up, had this any sort of realism, she definitely would have woken up that that it wasn't that bad. There wasn't that much blood.
0: No, it's, it's, I don't, I just, I don't understand this. <laughs> the whole, like, is she dead or isn't she dead? Like, I guess that's supposed to be, like, a real mystery, well, this is
2: why, like, at the point when she got shot to me, it felt like the screenwriter was like, I don't know what to do. I've written myself into a corner. Like, I should not have shot this girl in the, in the, in the screenplay. Like That's how it feels to me, because from here on, it's just really weird stuff. Okay, so Keanu's going to take her body to some field. But he's not even gonna dig a shallow grave. He's just gonna put a bunch of leaves over her and like kind of walk away from that. Like it just feels like s- script-wise that they're in a jam and they don't know how to get themselves out of it. So it just doesn't seem like intentional. That's all. It just doesn't seem like this is where the story was gonna go, or sh- not that it was. Not that like it there shouldn't be like a surprise or a shock or anything. But it just felt like it just feels like the wrong turn again. It definitely feels like the wrong turn. I just, I don't don't understand it. Okay, so then,
0: like, what happens next? The neighbor at the motel sees D'Onofrio carry the body in and sees Keanu carry the body out, right? And so he calls them and is just like,
2: you know, I know what you're up to. I'm going to blackmail you for $50,000. Oh, not even yet, though, because what I think D'Onofrio tells on Keanu, he killed her and he buried her somewhere, and they all go out to look for her, and the body's missing. Yeah. And then they get the phone call. This is also insane. Is that he brings the body out in his car.
0: He, like, puts her on the <laughs> side of the road and just covers her with, like, a thin layer of leaves and then dumps his car off the cliff. Just put her in the car in the and car. shove it off the cliff. Yeah. Or he, she's literally on the side of, like, what seems like a kind of major road, just under, like, a thin layer of leaves.
1: Yeah, he's a dummy. And he, I guess he liked her, so he didn't want to throw her body off the side of a But what's amazing is
2: if he did love her or even like her rush her to the hospital check her pulse dude there are ways to tell if someone is dead or not even with a gunshot like just because someone got shot i feel like the movie thinks people think you know if you get shot anywhere you die you know but it's just not true like you get shot in the you get shot in the head and live for a day like it's just ridiculous oh, God, it's,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> And so what's weird about it, right, is that Cameron Diaz is not dead, but later in the movie, she gets pissed at Keanu when she is back. She's like, you buried me.
1: Well, like, yeah, like, you were dead. What, yeah, how dare you bury was he me completely in the woods? Or,
0: it seems like all along, Cameron Diaz does not want to screw over Keanu, but she feels, like, unjustly wronged by him for leaving her on the side of the road, which, fine, whatever. But, like, you're with him overnight in the bathtub, You're with him when he carries your body and puts you on the side of the road. Say something. Just say something.
2: Yeah. Yeah, my other problem, too, is after she's alive and is like, well, you know, you're an asshole because you thought it was dead and wanted to bury me and all that. And it turns out I'm really not dead. You should have just had her character been double crossing him the whole time like that's what i feel about it is like let the reveal about her be that she was always trying to get one over on both of the brothers because at that moment it feels more like that's the way that it's being played it feels like it's being played where it's like i never want to see you again i never did want to see you like you just proved to me that there's no reason to stay with you and you know this was it was better that i used you and all that kind of stuff instead of i really did have deep feelings, and I thought we were going to make it, except for that one mistake, which wasn't even a real mistake, because, like, technically, as far as everyone was concerned, you were doing kind of a normal thing, like, you bury a dead body, like, that's just what you do, so it just kind of blew my mind again at the end, I was just like, why didn't, why wasn't she just going to double-cross him the whole movie? I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But do you agree that that would have made more sense, right, as opposed to not forgiving Keanu? Because if this was the rom-com, she would have been like, oh, I totally forgive you for burying me alive. But instead, she's like, you're such a dick for burying me alive. But she does forgive him at the very end. But at the very very, very end. But still, it's a
0: happy ending. Yeah.
2: Which this movie does not deserve. Yeah, that's another thing. It just feels like a tagged-on happy ending. Because after she leaves town, it's like a couple months later, and he just tracks her down. It's not like they were corresponding a lot, right? Like, they wrote one letter, and he's like, I'm coming for you, and she's like, what took you so long? It's like, no, you were like, I never want to see you again, and he was destroyed about it. I don't feel like he would have wanted to, you know, get back together with her either.
0: Nope. Mm -mm. I don't know how to talk about this movie, because I don't understand this movie.
2: Let me, let me ask you this. Do you think if this was in better hands, and you know, do you think it could have been somewhere along the lines of, like, I love you to death? Because I kept thinking if Lawrence Kasdan was somehow, like, involved, like, the overseer and took control of this material, he totally could have made it work in some way or another it would have been drastically different but it would have had the vibe i feel like they were going for i mean what you said earlier
0: and what i was thinking last night as i was watching this is like i think there is a good movie here and i feel like there's this is kind of a movie that if i watched it enough times i could find something like i could like this movie even as it exists now i think maybe it's just there's certain things you watch one time and you're like i don't understand that but i know that i would on future viewings and sometimes it warrants second viewing. A lot of TV shows are that way, a lot of David Lynch movies are that way. They're things that you're not gonna necessarily understand the first time you see them, but they're good enough, they're compelling enough, they're interesting enough that you wanna go back and revisit it. Here, I do feel like watching the movie a second time, you would understand more, but I don't want to. Like, it doesn't leave you wanting to go back. There's some semblance of something interesting here, I think. And I think that if you watch it enough times, you could maybe make a point for why it's a good movie. I just don't know how you would do that, having only seen it once. And I don't want to go back and see it a second time.
1: I disagree. I think it's totally uninteresting and terrible. And it should have been burned and not rewritten. And they should have moved on. I hated it. I found nothing redeeming.
2: I guess the only positives I really have coming out of this are I thought Keanu was good. Like, I think he's doing fine. I think he's good in this movie. I don't pick up a lot of, like, his isms that we've seen in previous stuff. Like, he just feels like a more mature actor. I love Vincent D'Onofrio in this. I would watch Keanu and D'Onofrio in anything as brothers together. I'm not saying, you know, uh, maybe I am saying, like, his maybe it's worth one watch just for them just for the two of them no because no okay here's what I think is the best though are the scenes in the diner with D'Onofrio and Courtney Love now that's a movie are those two characters like that's what is the it, whole movie should have. I think it is I want to see where that goes that's what I was thinking maybe it's just this movie was boring me so much that when the two of them are on screen it's just like they're the two quirkiest characters going on here like let's just get them together with more screen time
1: Yes, I wanted, I thought they were going to get together when Cameron Diaz got shot. I was like, all right, I'm hoping for a new romance with these two now, but nothing, nothing happened.
2: The cowgrave, great, but the, oh man, I, I wish we could rewrite the romantic comedy version this was supposed to be where is marrying Cameron Diaz, but she leaves him for Keanu and then D'Onofrio finds love with the waitress played by Courtney Love and at the end they all go on vacation together. Like, something, Something along those lines.
1: So cute. I would love that. I wonder if there's a
2: version of this movie
0: where there's even more Courtney Love. Because in the trailer, they list six actors. They have Keanu, Cameron Diaz, D'Onofrio, obviously the top three. But then they mention Courtney Love, who is almost in the trailer for as much as she's in the movie. Like, she's in the movie for like three scenes. Like, she's not in it a whole lot. They mention the mother, who dies 15 minutes into the movie. And then they mention, I, I think, Dan Aykroyd, who, because he's just a meme at that point, you know? So... I feel like at some point, maybe there was a version of this movie. There was a cut of this movie where Courtney love had more to do. Cause it also, it feels sort of like stunt casting kind of,
2: cause why is it her? Well, she was an actress before she was a rock star, even. She was in Sid and Nancy. I mean, she's got acclaim for The People vs. Larry Flynn. I think that was after this. But regardless, I think she was floating around Hollywood at this time, but Hole was big. She was married to Kurt Cobain, so she would have been, yeah, like a cameo. You know, like, you'd be like, oh, Courtney loves in this. Sort of in the way, like, oh, Anthony Kiedis is in Point Break. Like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, he's less of an actor. She had more of, like, an actual career as one. But yeah, I think it's just like a glorified cameo right now.
0: But it's not a cameo though, because she's in multiple scenes, and D'Onofrio interacts with her more than he interacts with anybody in this movie that's not Keanu or Cameron Diaz.
2: Yeah, maybe cameo is the wrong word. Yeah, maybe she was, just like you said, supposed to be fleshed out more and have more screen time and be more of a character, but then ultimately they just didn't know what to do with what they shot, I mean, or how to work it in. I mean, how do you really. Fit that in. I mean, tonally, it just feels so much different than when Cameron Diaz and Keanu are, are in scenes together. It's like the end of the world is coming. But then when DiNarfio and Courtney are in a scene together, it's like, oh my God, look how adorable these two are, or something. You know, it's just a totally I don't, different. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm not, maybe not adorable. I'm just saying, like, I feel like the fun is finally trying to show through and there's just a sense of what that black comedy could have been is where you see like this guy concealing all of his injuries and then the waitress kind of finding that endearing and falling for it Uh, all i'm saying is there's a lot of mismatched tone in this film and that's another major problem is this couldn't keep it on the rails. Yeah, I just, I just think there's too many missed opportunities here. I don't think there's
0: anything there between him and the waitress. But I think that's also just because, like, they don't care. Like, they don't want to write a character. Like, they just need a place for him to make phone calls, kind of, right? And there is the kind, of, there is the funny scene, like you said, where he comes in with all blood. He's like, hey, I'll take that sweatshirt. And then he's like, hey, what are you famous for? Okay, I feel like in the 90s they are just like beaten down waitresses. Like, a couple years later we're going to get enough office space where Jennifer Aniston like Jennifer Aniston could have been you know what I mean like that could have been her like why are you wearing flair? Like we're not in Kansas anymore. Like I feel like that's the kind of character that this movie wants to have. Sort of like this like little like bantery like a, a waitress who's like just doesn't give a shit and just it's working her job and like this weirdo comes in and she's going to roll with it.
2: But the, either Courtney Love doesn't do anything with it or she's given nothing to do. I think the issue is the movie doesn't earn that moment like well I kind of find it to be a fun and interesting moment yeah leading up to it there's no reason why we take this wacky right turn maybe the movie thinks it's being that way the whole movie but it hasn't been for us clearly they are missing the mark that they're going for like this is playing way too straight and way too flat and it feels like they want it to be yeah like a goofy or like a strange you know comedy of some types like we've been saying and it's just it's just not playing right and so when we do get to a scene like that that would have played correctly in the right type of movie it's jarring because it's out of place it's like why is this funny all of a sudden yeah I don't like this I don't like this movie
1: Mm-mm.
2: I did not remember it being quite this bad when I first saw it though but I mean I was so much younger but I don't think your repeat viewings are gonna help I think it might just get worse and worse <laughs> I feel like I say this a lot and I
0: know that I'm wrong most of the time, but I still don't know that this is necessarily a bad movie. There's stuff here to like. It's just, it's not a good movie. Like, when I say things are not a bad, or it's not a bad movie, like, I'm not saying that it's a good movie. I'm just saying that we've watched bad movies for this. We've watched a lot of bad movies for different podcasts. We've watched a lot of bad movies in our lives. This is not a good movie, but I think there's things here that are interesting. I think the way it's, assembled is poor is bad you know i feel like there's characters here that are interesting i feel like there's actors here who are trying i feel like there's the idea kind of like the fact that they're the girls not dead that who would have thought that the ultimate mastermind in this would have been cameron diaz like that's kind of like a cool actual legitimate twist it's just that the way that things are set up and presented and puzzle pieced together doesn't
1: work is she a mastermind at the end
0: I think she's the one that's pulling the strength
1: I think it's just like as she goes she figures out which is the best way for her and the money to get together and then she follows that path I don't think she had a plan
2: She's the only one that gets everything she wants at the end, but she did it by steamrolling over everybody in her life. Like, it's so strange. It's She just used everybody to get where she wanted to be, but the, she's like, I, I need to be in Vegas with a lot of money by the end of this movie, and that's exactly where she finds herself. That's where Keanu comes to find her. She's a showgirl now. She's happy, right? I, don't, it's not, I mean, it's just really boring, you know, because she gets everything she wants at the end. Like, I think this movie could have probably redeemed itself more if at the end it showed her, Keanu and the dog in a in a trailer park somewhere, you know, like in the desert and it was just like, no, like they only need each other. Like, she doesn't need the money and the the headdress and the, to shake her ass on stage. Like, she doesn't need all that. Like, all she just needs is love, but the movie isn't interested in telling that story.
1: Mm-mm
0: so we haven't talked about the ending yet right like the very very end
1: in las vegas or when he's in that random car
0: well in the random car on the way to las vegas
1: oh my god that car so
0: you asked me a question you asked if this whole movie is sort of like a story that he's telling to that driver
1: yeah because when they cut to the car he was in the middle of telling a story or he had just finished telling a story to this guy and i was like wait was that in the beginning it was not i suppose it's none of my business but after all that you sure, this is the right woman for you. I don't know. Maybe. Hey,
2: how do you know for sure
1: she's even here? She's here. Thanks for the ride. Appreciate it. Yo, take one of these with you. Well, I don't have 25 bucks for a Bible. It's a gift. That's okay. You keep it. You got a family to feed.
2: Hey, don't look so worried. Look at this. I
1: got a letter from her not too long ago. (sighs) Dear Jax, maybe it's all bullshit. Maybe nothing does happen for a reason after all. But I'm doing great. I'm living my dream. So fuck you anyways, Freddy. I hate to say this, son, but that don't sound exactly like a love letter. (laughs) You got to read between the lines. Good luck.
2: That would have been amazing. Why wasn't it? Why wasn't he just telling this story to that Bible salesman while they were driving cross-country to drop him off in Vegas? I guess because, not that he's going to die... But if he's there at the beginning, like let me
0: tell you this story about this girl that I love, you know that he's going to make it through it. And there are mm-hmm. points in this movie where you think that he could get arrested, he get killed. Not that he's going to, but by
2: doing it like as a whole movie flashback, you take that away. Maybe, maybe. But it also creates interest. In- yeah, interest. Like, how is he going to survive this movie? You know, when he gets into a terrible situation, you're like, well, is he going to? Uh, he's got to get out of this somehow. Uh, And then you also don't know that he's going to meet Karen Diaz. So that could have just been the whole reveal as you think she's dead. And then in the end, no, she's alive. I think they could have made it work better. It would have added just like a little more flair of like mystery that otherwise is absent from any kind of mystery whatsoever. Like I'm just not interested in a lot of (laughs) the stuff they're setting up here. So just to wonder how he survives to the end of the movie would have been enough. But I think it could have used that wraparound.
0: Prob- I mean, it could have used anything. It, it really could have used anything.
1: They wasted that opening credits, that that scene with when they were kids. It was wasted. Mike has thought of like four better ideas.
2: I mean, if he's just hitchhiking on the side of the road and that crazy Bible salesman guy picked him up, like that would have been great for an opening. And, you know, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but most of the time you sort of, forget that there was like a beginning part halfway through or if you're really interested in a movie by the time they wrap it around at the end you're like oh yeah this there was a yeah it mm-hmm. was a framing device that's right i forgot about that so i mean yeah i'm, I'm all for that oh god but so so at the, okay here's, a, here's an important question i have for you
0: so they get in las vegas the bible salesman listens to his story that's maybe movie length long he tells this whole story to this bible salesman and then reads the quote-unquote love letter from Cameron Diaz, and it's just about how much he hates him, basically, right? And he's like, no, you got to read between the lines. Then he goes inside a casino, and he sees this topless review. None of these girls look like Cameron Diaz. Is she in this scene?
1: Yeah, she is. I don't think at the beginning they were showing her, but at the end part they showed her, like at the finale, and I think maybe like one quick shot to her before that.
2: She is not topless, so I think, you know, if you were looking Mm -hmm. at, like, I I was just like, okay, that can't be her, that can't be her, that can't be her, but then slowly as that scene unfolds, a few girls with tops come out, and she's the final one in the middle, I think, that is smiling directly at the camera. I I was looking for her, because I was just like, first of all, I was like, oh, maybe we'll get topless
0: Cameron Diaz, but then when that wasn't going to happen, I was just like, The only reason I knew that she was there is because, A, she has to be there for the movie's sake, and B, Keanu sees someone and smiles. But I just did not recognize her. And then he waits like a real creeper outside the club, and she comes outside, (laughs) and all the girls just pay her no mind. They're just like, well, bye, Like we're going to leave you with this creepy guy now. And then... She just says, what took you so long? I'm like, oh, it's the happy ending after all that they always wanted, that they always deserved. And no, like, no, no,
1: they did not deserve it. They did not
0: deserve it. Agreed. Let me see what else is in this. Okay, so here's why I think this is kind of an homage to Nicolas Cage movies, or maybe just because we've spent so much time watching and talking about Nicolas Cage that, everything somehow relates to him but number one we talked about the leaving las vegas style pool sex number two there's the red rock west-esque inability to escape your past Number
2: three, there's bumbling criminals, which, I mean, is a common trope, especially I think in the 90s. Oh, also, um, put the bumbling criminals and you can't escape from a certain town together and you get trapped in paradise. You do get trapped in paradise. That's very true. Mm -hmm. Uh, They go to Las Vegas, which obviously we know the cage
0: in Las Vegas go hand in hand. Delroy Lindo is in this movie. There's probably more things that I'm missing, but there's, I mean, there's a bunch of just, some of them are minor, but some of them are just like, oh, like that actually reminds me in like a very real way of another better movie
2: yeah for me all it took was you to say Alabama Whirly and I was like I couldn't ignore how hard this wanted to be like a true romance you know and, and I mean not exactly like it there's there's no there's not a like it's not the same type of mafia that's not like drugs but it's money and I don't know just the idea of the blonde girl and and the guy with the short black hair, the the pairing, and them trying to get away together. I just I just couldn't stop seeing those parallels and feeling like this movie didn't know what it was to begin with. Like, it, it has an identity crisis. Like, it can't trust itself. It, it feels like it needs to impress you by being other movies or doing things that worked better in other movies that feel like they could relate here. Like, the biggest crime here is that the lack of accents. I mean... <laughs> we're crying out loud if Dan Aykroyd's the only guy running around doing accents but then he he's like out of a Saturday morning cartoon compared to the rest of these people it's just bizarre from beginning to end I agree I
0: 100% mm-hmm. agree the first thing we see Keanu do in this movie is take a whore's bath where he just like is basically washing himself in the in the bathroom just <laughs> basically taking like I don't know just water in his hands just like rubbing under his pits and then his first quote unquote line of dialogue is he's just starting to bark like a dog I guess another cage connection is my dog barks some, from the
2: double ought spool in Wild at Heart. That's a real deep cut. So, well, that kind of you know. goes with my Keanu the dog theory in this movie, and he's even got a stupid name like a dog would, you know?
0: Oh yeah, we didn't talk about his name. His name is
2: Jax, J okay. J A K
0: S, Ja Jax, Ja Jax, and they explain J-Jax. at the end of the movie why he has that name.
2: Kind of a stupid fucking name, is that anyway? Ju
1: Jax.
0: <laughs> What? No, it's supposed to be Jack, but they, they, they fucked up his birth certificate. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> a stupid fucking typo. Saw <laughs> your life amounts to, huh? But, like, earlier in the movie, everybody's just acting like it's a normal name. Like, Cameron Diaz is like, Jack? He's like, no, Jax. She's so like, all right, got it. Like, not going to ask any questions about it. But the only reason I knew why it was spelled, aside from looking on IMDb, is because I watched those subtitles... And it's just they're like it's no big deal. No, it's it's a bizarre thing and I guess you're like, you know, we've gotta finish this movie, honey, because like we gotta know why his name is Jax. Like they're they're gonna tell us why it's Jax. And spoiler alert, as you just heard it's just a typo. Like, that's it. And I know that that's kind of a bittersweet, not even bittersweet, just like a, a cruel, cruel irony that what they say is like your whole life is defined by a typo. Like, that's that's all you are. And that sucks, but nobody ever really gave him shit for his name. You know, it just seems like he just, he just sort of weathered the storm. That's it. It's not like he was suffering because of it.
1: I thought it was J-A-X. So it's not crazy, but if you saw it written, I would definitely question it if I saw it J-J-A-K-S. Yeah, that's crazy.
2: Yeah, I, I caught it in the, the closing credits. I saw that it was, because I was also expecting J-A-X, because that's it's not out of the realm of possibility. That sounds like a normal name. That's why I don't feel like anyone was freaking out over it so much. But what it really comes down to is, it here's something that reads on the page. J-J-A-K-S. Like, if you're reading this screenplay, you're going to be super aware of that. And it's just another thing that, doesn't translate from page to screen and something that they didn't catch sight of you know and they just should have removed that joke entirely because it's a reader not a seer and it just doesn't fly in this movie
0: yeah i would agree with that and i don't i guess i I didn't think about it like that that it does work better on the page than it does on screen which i feel like would this movie as a whole work better on the page
2: well i actually feel like this would this would actually probably read a lot better this might even read like a crime novel or something you could just project onto it like (laughs) which you want to instead of whatever this director decided it should be but I almost was thinking yeah like this you know like other movies we've watched too that not movies that are books but, but movies that don't work as movies this one kind of feels like it would work better as a book I feel like the problem with the movie, maybe,
0: and this is something that would work better as a script or a book, is that the actors are kind of, and maybe it's not their fault, maybe it's the director, and I'm going to mention the director in a minute, but they're towing this weird line between black comedy and crime drama and not hitting either. And I feel like if you're reading it, if it's well-written, you can sort of follow the script, or even if it's just written as it is here, you can sort of decide one way or the other... How you want to take scenes? Here, the way that they're presenting it, it, you're just not sure what you're watching, and you don't know if scenes are supposed to be funny. Like, is it supposed to be funny that these criminals are so bad at shooting people, or is that just chance? You know, because like, because the whole thing in Pulp Fiction, you know, when they shoot twelve times or whatever, and like Jules has his epiphany. That's not supposed to be funny. That's like chance. And that's a part of the movie. Like that's a part of the plot. Like that changes that character's life. Here, like that could do the same thing here. But it's just not clear whether or not that's supposed to be like, well, were they just not supposed to die there? Or is it funny and a known thing that he has poor aim?
2: Yeah, I agree with all that. And I definitely have a deeper appreciation for I Love You to Death, you know, because just thinking part of the comedy in that is they're trying to shoot this guy and they keep missing (laughs) They are terrible shots, you know what I'm saying? It's the same fucking joke that D'Onofrio does to Cameron Diaz. Like, they do it in I Love You to Death like four times and it's and I'm just you know it's dawning on me now how well that worked right and that is the mood and that's the tone and if the guy should have watched I love you to death or Lawrence Kasdan should have directed this and whatever but like that's that's what I feel like they were going for but that is such a difficult line to toe and you really need to be a really good director to do stuff like that and I just don't feel like this guy had the chops like it just it got away from him early and it got away from him far.
0: So may I may I blow your mind here with the fact that this was written and directed by this guy named Steven Bagelman? This is the only thing he's ever directed. This is the first thing that he ever wrote, the first thing he ever, ever actually got like writing credit for. 6 years later he would write a movie called Brother's Keeper, which I don't know. And then 12 years later, so it's 2 years ago, 2014, he wrote Get on Up, that James Brown movie starring Chadwick Boseman and then last year he wrote Miles Ahead that Miles Davis biopic with Don Cheadle that was directed by Don Cheadle and then also last year he created the show Wicked City on ABC which had the honor or the disdain or whatever of being the first scripted show canceled in the fall season it got canceled after like episode two or three and this is everything this guy has ever done in Hollywood. And so it's clear that he shouldn't have been directing this. I feel like, and I there's no trivia about this movie on IMDb other than its name comes from a Soundgarden song, Outshined. That's the only trivia on the page. So I, I get the sense that maybe this was like a hot script by like some up-and-coming writer that got passed around. He's just like, you know, you can make it if I can direct it. And then they made it they're like, oh, well, I guess you're just never going to direct something again. Like that's the only way that I see that this happened. <laughs> because in the trailer, like I said, in the trailer, it makes it look like a wacky comedy. It introduces all these characters. And at the very end, it's like in a film by Steven Bagelman. And it's like, well, that doesn't mean anything. Nobody knows who he is.
1: Keanu Reeves. Cameron Diaz, Vincent D'Onofrio, Dan Aykroyd, Courtney Love, Tuesday Weld, and Delroy Lindo in a film directed by Stephen Bagelman. Feeling Minnesota.
0: It's not like he was like a producer or like something else that people would know his work. Like, this is literally the first thing he ever did, and he... He's he's an unknown quantity, doesn't do a good job on his first thing, and then never gets to direct another movie. So I, I just I don't understand the backstory of this other than it must have been an amazing
1: script. It did not translate. It did not translate.
2: Yeah. It almost feels like he won Project Greenlight, you know. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that was going on here. If you look in the credits, this thing was this thing was at the Sundance Lab. Like this was chosen and worked over and pro you know rehearsed, they don't just, like, not just every script goes to Sundance Labs, but, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, like, his early scripts with, like, Hard Eight, and Tarantino with, like, Reservoir Dogs, like, those scripts did, so it, it seems like he, this guy just hit Pater in a time where, like we discussed on certain Gus Van Sant episodes, like, you had backers in the 90s who were just dying to Make a buck in the film industry. You had your Harvey Weinstein guys with their mirror and you had a slew of other people coming along. But we're getting a little late into the 90s here, and it's like super make-or-break time. No one's gonna waste a second shot on you. So I really feel like this guy fell into that zone where it's just it was the 90s. He was able to hype himself to the point in the room where he's like, "Take a chance on me. I'm gonna. I'm the next Soderbergh." And he just couldn't pull it out in the end. He just didn't have it in him to that degree. David Bagelman, you failed us.
0: I, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right that, like, not only people want to make a buck, but they want to find the next guy. Because, like, Tarantino, I think, is, you know, forever associated with Miramax, right? Like, that's just, that they made him, kind of, right? Like, I mean, he made himself, but, like, they gave him the money, and so like when you see a max logo, at least I think of Tarantino. So I feel like somebody, whoever put this out, I don't know who put this out, but whoever put this out wanted to find the next auteur, the next guy who was going to like be the talk of the town every two or three years when he put out a new movie, and then just it didn't work.
1: Do you know how much it costs to make this movie? Ooh, that's a
2: really good question. Only because you got a couple names. Big stars. Yeah. I mean, Cameron Diaz wasn't a huge star yet. Like this is around the time of The Mask, I think. This was before something about Maria. Right around that, she was gonna. She was about to launch, I feel.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I can't find the budget. All I can find about it is how oh. the state of Minnesota
0: has a budget surplus of $1.2 billion. Oh,
1: this made kind of $3
0: million in theaters, which seems kind of like a lot. I mean, it's not it's a people lot. People thought
1: it was a romantic comedy. It's people who saw that poster and were like, oh, it's it's a chick flick. It's romance. Look at those two The trailer does words.
2: make it look like a fun movie.
1: Yeah, well, they tricked people and that's how they got that money.
2: And, I mean, who wouldn't be tricked into seeing this, too? If you see Keanu and Cameron Diaz on the poster, you're yeah. like, yeah, I want to watch those two beautiful people for an hour and a half. <laughs> like, of course. It opened in 12th place. The number one
0: movie that week was Maximum Risk.
1: The hell is that?
0: Jean-Claude Van Damme and Natasha Henstrich. Okay. And number two movie was Fly Away Home, that Anna Paquin movie.
1: Oh, with the geese. With the geese. Oh, I wish Keanu was in that. I would <laughs> Me too. Watched that that would have been
0: better mission impossible still in theaters that weekend nutty professor in theaters the rock in theaters that weekend so i mean oh, they're all around just this movie is too we've talked way too long about this movie considering it's not very good mike do you have any other notes that you want to share about this movie anything else anything that you don't want to go to your grave or your roadside covered in leaves six inches under
2: uh <laughs> grave without getting out your chest there's actually only one thing I wanna say is like I was really disappointed after seeing in the credits that Los Lobos was scoring this movie that there's like zero good music in this movie. I don't know why. What did they do? Did they do did they do La Bamba? Yeah, Lobam oh yeah, so like yeah, he did La Bamba and like I was a huge fan of that because of the, the La Bomba the movie, which isn't about Los Lobos but it's about Richie Valens who made Los Lobos like his trademark song and then they also got very popular with that tune, and yeah. So I was like, oh, Los Lobos, but then my ears were like, ah, man. You know what's crazy? I remembered
0: that LaBamba was in a Nicolas Cage movie. And if you Google LaBamba movie Nicolas Cage, your review is the fourth thing on Google, at least in my Google. What? Because Mike's review was called Birdie Q LaBamba. <laughs> Another semi-Cage connection. Birdie. I'd love to see Birdie again. Like, why do we watch Feeling Minnesota? This is also... This movie came out the same year as Chain Reaction. So this was like a rough 96 for Keanu. That we talked about how Cage did The Rock in 96, and, like, Chain Reaction was his action thriller, and just paled in comparison to The Rock. This... I mean, like, a couple years earlier, when Cage was in his Sunshine trilogy, It Could Happen to You, which I absolutely love, which I keep bringing up on, I feel like, every podcast. I just love It Could Happen to You. Or that movie with Sarah Jessica Parker.
2: What was that one? Honeymoon in Vegas, one of my all-time favorites. Like, this feels like it could have been something like that. It just isn't. Yeah, I definitely feel like these two actors could have pulled off a movie like that. Absolutely. They picked the wrong romantic... Well, they didn't pick a... Maybe they thought they picked a romantic comedy and then it ended up not to be one. But get them in a real one.
0: I mean, my last thing that I want to say about this movie is that I don't blame Keanu for like... I feel like this is like a good... Like, I feel like I want to applaud him for the choice in picking this movie and I don't don't think it's his fault. I don't think it's the actor's fault. I think it's just... How it's it's just a Steven Bagelman joint like that's just like you know what he's bringing to the screen like I think this is like an interesting choice I think this could have been a good movie with a few tweaks I like th- I'd rather see this like, I'd rather see Keanu in subpar movies than weird kind of boring sort of messagey movies like Chain Reaction.
2: Well this had way more potential, right? Like yes. Chain Reaction is just like we all wanted that to be a seventies conspiracy thriller, which it you know, it totally wasn't or trying to be, but like in our minds that's what it could have been. But no, it was never anything more than that, you know, action message film. But this definitely feels like there was much more potential to be had.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Melissa, any other last thoughts? Any other things in your notes you wanted to cover?
1: When I was watching the movie, I thought the ear part was the most disgusting thing. But it's probably the only thing I will remember.
0: And this was before Mike Tyson did it to Evander Holyfield. So this movie a little bit ahead of its time.
1: I bet he saw this movie and was like, I'm stealing that move. Ooh! I bet it happened. But I will say also that I don't blame Keanu, of course. But this movie is horrible and no one should ever watch it.
0: (laughs) There you have it. Well, thank you for your end-all, be-all impression. We're going to leave on that. Thank you for joining us, (laughs) Melissa.
1: Thank you for having me. For all
0: things Keanu Club, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. You can see all the Cage movies that we've done. There's, I don't know, three or four new ones this fall. So there's lots of cool Cage things coming up. We've got new Keanus every week. We're in the midst, I believe, right now, or maybe toward the end, or maybe we just finished. We might've just finished all his movies. I think the last episode came out yesterday, if I remember my dates right. So if you love Shia LaBeouf, Go watch all his movies and listen to our podcast about that. Or Now and Again, or Monkey Club, or Zack Attack, all sorts of fun things. CageClub.me, Facebook.com slash club. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Nancy. And that was Melissa Linum, and we'll see you next time
1: on Keanu Club. Bye.